Hello and welcome back to Comeback. Today I am here at Trigger Boxing here in Tan Phu, Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, with my guest Aussie Vietnamese, Michelle Nguyen. And we're going to talk about boxing, her work, and more. Welcome, Michelle. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, it's great to see you. We've ha had this kind of in the pipeline for quite a while, so it's yeah. glad that we've actually managed to get it done. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> what I actually do, just to get a brief overview of all the guests that I interview, I always ask about the background, like the childhood growing okay. up, just to get some kind of insight instead of who, in to see who's sat in front of me today. Okay. So do you mind telling me a bit more about your upbringing? Okay, so I was born in Australia. Both my parents are Vietnamese immigrants. Um, I mean, I always was into sport, but it wasn't really something that my parents were like super keen on. Like having Asian parents, it's always like, oh, you know, just make sure you study and get really good grades so you can become a doctor, right? And that's kind of like the typical thing. Um, so when I was in school, I obviously like did all the athletics, did all the sports, did really, really well in them. And then when I turned about 15, I started playing football. And I played really, really competitive football. So I played at like the Premier League level in Australia for that. Is this Aussie rules football or like soccer? No, no, I mean soccer football. Right, okay, yeah, 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 like the real, the real, real football. Yeah. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah. Yeah, 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 so I did that for about 13 years. I played for about 13 years. Then I moved to Hong Kong. And by then I was kind of like a bit over playing football. Then I met a great bunch of like Irish girls which then got me into Irish, I mean Gaelic football. So I did that for probably about four or five years. Then I uh, got into boxing and even that, like I did like a white collar boxing event. So I was like trained for six weeks and then like just go and have a fight pretty much. So I did that, loved it. But then I ended up with like a really bad wrist injury. And then at the same time it was like work and stuff came up. So I kind of just stopped sport altogether. And then when I turned 31, I moved back to Vietnam and that was when I really started getting back into boxing. So I found trigger boxing, um, I then met my husband and then my husband's the owner of trigger boxing so then I was just boxing constantly all the time and I was kind of determined that I wanted to go pro. Uh, and then obviously like four months later, you know, you can't plan anything, I fell pregnant and so that, that whole pro dream went away for a bit. I trained all the way through my pregnancy, like three days until I gave birth. And then I had a really, really hard postpartum. Like my body just broke down after I had my baby. Mm. I had plantar fasciitis for almost two years. What's that, sorry? When you have plantar fasciitis, it's basically like the fascia on the bottom of your foot. It just becomes so inflamed basically because of all the weight that you, you have from being pregnant. So it's so much pressure on the arch of your foot that it, it can collapse. And so you're just in, it's debilitating pain. Like you just can't move, you can't stand for more than a few minutes. So that was a really, really long recovery for me. And then once I kind of bounced back from that, it was just boxing, boxing, boxing. And then you know, the first time you reached out, I had my pro debut, so I was like, I can't really come and see you. Then I was living in Hanoi and then now I'm back here. So now it's just boxing again, um, and yet planning for baby number two. Right, excellent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm glad that this has all kind of come together to the point now where you're in Ho Chi Minh permanently. Yeah. You can box, things are kind of a bit more like stable, shall we say. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested in the transition from say team sports, which you were first into, like your soccer, uh, real football and stuff, yeah. 
into boxing, which is very individual, of course. Yeah. Of course, you have a team, but it's ultimately you in there.、Mm -mm. How did you make that transition from being around a team to then doing it by yourself? I think like there's so many pros and cons when it comes to doing team sports and like individual sports. Like I really enjoyed playing football in Australia. I feel like the camaraderie is is really great there. And then when I moved to Hong Kong, it wasn't like I didn't feel like that was the vibe in terms of football in Hong Kong. And it became this, and it happens a lot in female sports. And people are going to be like,、oh, "It's so sexist to say," but it actually just it's kind of fat. Like we want to just bitchy as you know what I mean. So it was always this like competition, and it was it was crazy. It wasn't even like we were. Playing at a, a super competitive level, we weren't trying out for the Olympics or anything. But there was just so much tension all the time, and that's why I ended up giving it up because I just didn't enjoy it anymore. And then at the same time, I went and watched a friend who did a white collar boxing event, and I had no interest in boxing up until then. Like I wasn't even into it at all. I went and I just I got so into it. Like I was there screaming at the front, like I just wanted to see people batter each other. I didn't even know I had that inside me. And then once I started, after I saw that, I started watching like some UFC, some boxing, and I'm like, ah, I like this. I could do this. And then yeah, I think I just enjoyed the training. So it wasn't so much that I had to go from like a group setup to an individual sport. I mean, like even boxing, like even though when you get in the ring, you are on your own, right? But like the lead up is like it's still a team sport, you know what I mean? Like you train with other fighters, you have your coach, and then I mean even on the day of the fight, like you are on your own inside, but your corner is is everything. Like you don't have a good corner, and you're not going to have a good fight. Right. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. I'm glad you've actually mentioned that because often when we think of say boxing and that, you just、yeah. think of the boxer in the ring. Yeah. You forget about everyone who's involved, like the cut man. Yeah. The lead up is insane. Yeah. Like it, it's like it's impossible to 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 be a boxer without sparring partners, right? I mean, a lot of people. I mean, now it's becoming a lot more popular not to spar, or people just do really light sparring. So even if you don't have sparring partners, but it's like you just need to have that team around you, right? Like. Not every day is a kick-ass day in the gym. Like not every day, you're just like, oh yeah, I'm just punching and just everything's going really well. Like some days are just crap, and you need people to be like, you know what, it's all right. And it's really funny that we're talking about this because I did a post on Instagram just last night talking about head movement. So when I started training head movement, I spent eight solid weeks working on nothing but head movement. And when you're working on head movement, The only way you can practice it is like obviously you can like do shadow head movements and stuff like that, but yeah, I mean like the way you practice it is like you got to do head movements around like punches or you know they'll use the the noodle to kind of like hit you with it. And so for eight weeks I was just taking hits because I just couldn't get better at it. And I remember at the end of training I burst into tears and I, I turned to my my husband and I just said, "It's been eight weeks." And I still suck at it, and I'm just eating so many punches. And he's like, "You just got to trust the process." He's like, "It's frustrating, but you just you just have to trust it and know that eventually you'll get better." And and then finally, when it did happen, I was like, "Oh, thank God!" Because seriously, I, I was about to give up the sport because I just thought I'm never ever going、mm. to get better at this. Yeah. yeah.
I've noticed there's a phrase, I don't know if you wear in the shirt, you don't play boxing. Yeah. I saw it when I came in here. Oh yeah, it's on, it's on the back of my shirt. It's on the back of your yeah. shirt as well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm interested yeah. in that phrase because when you are getting hit for those eight weeks, yeah. as in like it does tie into that, you don't play this. It's yeah. not like, say, football, if you keep missing a shot, like you are getting punched. That will have an impact. Yeah. I mean, like in training, we're not taking hard punches. Like I told you, they have like a noodle, like you know, the pool noodle. They'll use that or, or it's like pretty light punches. But yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't get into boxing because you're like, oh, it's like this casual sport that I kind of like doing. Like, yeah, there are casual people that train it, but in terms of like, if you want to actually spar, if you actually want to fight, I mean, you have to be passionate about it because it, it's not fun taking punches. You know, like, I don't, I don't like taking punches. No one likes taking punches. And then you just have to accept that it's kind of part of the sport. Like, even the best boxers, like Floyd Mayweather, who has the best defense, even he still gets hit. You know what I mean? So yeah, you do have to be really into it because you can't just come in day in and day out and take hits and go, oh yeah, this is fun, because mm. it's not. I'm interested, <laughs> yeah, this also ties in slightly, I think, from something I've come, or come up with, from what we mentioned earlier about leaving the team environment because it's, say, bitchy or whiny yeah. or annoying. And it makes me think of the two reasons we get into sport, to win or to have fun. Now, like, yeah. how do you how do you measure that in terms of your own it's so funny journey? right because like growing up people used to go oh you know you don't have to take it so seriously you just have fun I'm like yeah winning is fun that's what <laughs> I like it's fun because I win if I don't win it's not so fun but yeah I mean like at, for example at Trigger Boxing we have loads of members and most of our members I would say like 80% of our members they don't spar and they don't ever fight they just enjoy like the fitness side of it the cardio side of it so they're hitting the bag they're training a lot and they have a really good time because it's classes, right? You're in a big group and you know, you, you're all the testosterone's running, everyone's screaming and stuff and people love it. But uh, yeah, I, I like winning. Like it, it's a, and I think that in order to compete, you have to like winning. Like I don't think there's anyone that competes at a competitive level that says, oh, I don't mind losing. Because if you don't mind losing, then you're never going to be the best, the best version, right? Because you'd be like, oh, I lost, oh well. Exactly. It doesn't matter. And I feel like it's that competitive streak that kind of pushes you to do more and be more because it's like what you were saying, right? Taking punches or when you're training, your body's aching. I mean, leading up, my fight camp leading up to my profile, I think I was sore just about every single day. Like something was sore all the time. And that doesn't include getting injuries, right? So it's like, if you're not wanting to win, I just don't see how you can push yourself that hard to go, I'm just doing it for fun. Absolutely, so, yeah. no, I agree. What hurts more, or sorry, what is more, let's say prominent, the joy of winning or the pain of losing? For me personally, the pain of losing is a lot more traumatic than, than the high of, of winning. It was like, like leading up to my fight, right? I thought, oh my God, like you have all these things in your head about what you think it's gonna be like. You build it up to be this big momentous thing. And then I won my fight and I was like, done. done. <laughs> Guess that's it. But I'm pretty sure if I'd lost the fight, it would have kind of haunted me for a few days or you know what I mean? I do, yeah. So personally for me, yeah, I don't take losing lightly. So definitely losing 
I feel it way more than winning. Yeah. Yep. But I think losses are important though, like throughout the way. Maybe not say in a pro debut fight, yeah. but you know what I mean? Generally throughout like the whole training process, yep. to go through some setbacks, like that's the theme of the show. Yep. The comeback beats the setback does yep. help you down further down the line. Mm -mm. I think definitely, right? Like I haven't, been, I mean, I haven't been boxing for very long. I've only been boxing for probably two years. Um, so in terms of like loads of setbacks, I haven't had a lot of experience in terms of setbacks. I mean, being pregnant, I guess, was a setback in a way because it wasn't what I had in mind. But I mean, definitely, I think that if you look at fighters, they come back better versions of themselves, stronger versions. And of course, you know, you have the anomalies like your Floyd Mayweather's who are undefeated. But what people don't understand is that when he competed in the Olympics, he thought he'd won gold and everyone thought he'd won gold and, but you know, he, he kind of got robbed of it, right? And then, you know, years and years later, it came out that, well, yeah, the referee was like, yeah, I robbed it. The judges were like, yeah, we, we had to rob him of it. But whatever, you know, whatever sport is, there's always loads of politics behind it that we just don't understand. So I think that was a big setback for him and I'm sure that haunted him, right? And, and the injustice of losing a gold medal when you know that should have been yours, I, I bet he had some trouble sleeping for a while. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine. One bit that I'm interested here is the pregnancy journey with boxing, because you mentioned you trained even up to, say, three days. Three, three, three days before three I gave birth. Three days before I gave birth. Yeah. Do you mind talking to me a bit more broadly about that and how that's gone, how that went, sorry? Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know what it's like in, in England or like, but I think generally speaking, it's becoming more accepted in like Western society, but, but in Vietnam, you don't, you don't train when you're pregnant. Yeah, like here when people are pregnant, they're just like, oh, you just sit, and you chill out and you just eat and just don't move. Because if you move, you, you have a miscarriage. Do you know the crazy things I heard when I was pregnant? Don't eat bananas. You eat bananas, you'll get a miscarriage. Don't drink soda water. Drink soda water, you'll have a miscarriage. It was crazy. There's, there's all these like wives tales of like what you should and shouldn't do. And I just don't believe in any of it. Like I was just like, you're insane. Like there's no science that backs that up. Like I'm definitely a big believer of science. So I trained all the way through. I actually think it really helped me with my morning sickness. Like I had a really tough first trimester. So I was just vomiting like constantly. And the, the times where I felt the best was when I was training. I felt like I kind of just suppressed the, the queasiness, the nausea. Um, so yeah, I trained and trained and trained and trained. And I think the only thing that I didn't really think about while I was training was that my body was changing so much and I probably didn't prepare for as well as I should have so for example like I was still wearing boxing shoes at the time and you know like they're really restrictive they're, they're super hard on the feet and I gained 20 kilos from the beginning to the end of my pregnancy um, I still trained pretty I trained every day but again, like I wouldn't recommend that for like the average person, like because I was already training at such a high level, I felt like I could kind of maintain it to a degree. Mm. But yeah, I'm not saying that if you're pregnant, go out and start training every day for an hour, an hour and a half. That's definitely not what I'm saying. But I think that it's great for you. Like it was, it was great for my mental health. It was great for my physical being, like foot pain aside, I just felt better. I felt more prepared for my labor as well. And I had, I had a 32 hour labor, like that's a really, really long time. Um, and yeah, I survived it, right? Like I, I felt like I had the endurance and then the cardio to kind of go, oh, I, can, I can breathe my way through this. Mm. So, I mean, there's, I think there's a lot of benefits, but I know that it's also not 
for everyone. What sort of training are we talking? Is it more cardio throughout or? Uh, early on when I wasn't huge, I could still do some of the cardio stuff, but I would obviously still have to alter it. Like I didn't do any jumping. Like I didn't do any like frog leaps and stuff like that because it, it's heavy and it's still hard on, on, on the body. So everything was just modified, right? I never picked up weights that were more than a kilo. So everything was like, even when I was boxing, it was just one kilo weights that were in my hands. Obviously I wasn't like deadlifting like crazy amounts of, of anything really. I did loads of like leg presses. You know, it's great for like opening up the hip, opening up your hip flexors, opening up your pelvis. I mean, that's what you really need to open up when you're getting ready for birth, right? Uh, a lot of like Kegel exercises. So like I adjusted it. I still did a lot of like pad work, but it just wasn't like, I wasn't hopping around all the time. I did like, so this form of pad work called reactive mitt. So it's a lot, uh, it's more like rhythmic pad work, right? But you still get a, a big sweat on, you're still doing a lot of cardio, but it's just not as intense. So I think that you, you need to listen to your body, right? Like there were days where I just went, oh, you know, my body's just not, not up for it. So I just need to lighten the load. And some days it was just, okay, I'm just going to stretch today. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to adapt it to the situation. Yeah. Kind of know and listen to the body, especially during that period. Yeah. yeah. Like a lot of people, they, they, I feel like they just push too hard or like they're too scared. And I think that your body will tell you, it's like, oh, okay, you've gone too far or okay, we can step it up a bit. Like there was a period of time, like early on in my first trimester where I probably did have a month off training because I was just so, like I was just vomiting all the time, right? So I was like, my body's exhausted. And you know, Vietnam's hot, and you know this gym doesn't have air con. So when you're coming up here, and you got to remember, you got to walk the four flights yeah, of stairs first before yeah, 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 you yeah. even get up here. So <laughs> there was a period where I did take some time off because my body was just exhausted, um, and that's just the number one thing I always say to people, like when they're training, like just listen to your body. Like you know your body better than anyone else. You feel the pain. You feel what's going on inside. So you have to be the judge of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And when we look at the timeline, you've started boxing, then you've gone through pregnancy, you've given yep. birth. Yeah. Do you mind telling me after that, you mentioned a bad postpartum. Okay, so I, uh, I gave birth and then I was like, okay, I'm just gonna give, because I mean, after you give birth, you can't train for six weeks. That's like the, the minimum recommended time. So I had my six weeks with my son and then that was when I realized I had the plantar fasciitis in the bottom of my foot, right? And it came on really gradually. Like I had pain, I was like, oh, this is strange, this is strange. Because what happens is when you go into labor, everything in your body actually loosens up. Like literally everything. So it's not just the bottom half, it's all your limbs, all of your ligaments, they all loosen up. And so that's what happens. And that's how a lot, a lot of people, after they give birth, that's when they start having all of the injuries. People are like, oh, well, I'm light now. I'm not as heavy as I used to be. But what happens is your body doesn't always contract back to the way it was. So then I didn't listen to my body at that point, right? Like I had a newborn and I was up at night with him. I was rocking him. I was walking backwards and I went, oh, my feet hurt a little bit, but I just kept pushing through it. I was like, oh, it'll go away. Like every, every other injury I've ever had, I'm like, oh, it'll go away. And uh, it didn't. And it got worse and worse and worse and worse to the point where I couldn't stand and I couldn't walk. And by that point, by the time I'd gone to the physio and everything. And I think that there's a lot of like misunderstanding around it. A lot of people think, oh, it's okay. You just, you gotta wear super supportive shoes and, and you'll be better. Or like, you gotta get orthotics. And what I've learned through my long journey of plantar fasciitis is that um, you gotta, you gotta strengthen your feet. 
like everything just needs to be strengthened again. Like a lot of people are like, oh, but you know, let's get these ASIC, these Keanu shoes or like this arch support and the cushion. They're like the worst for your feet. Like I didn't know that to me, I just wore them all the time. And then one day I found this site that was called Healthy Feet. And the guy was just like, all of that stuff is just designed to completely destroy us and we need to move away from it. And then yeah, I slowly was like, okay, I'm gonna not wear shoes anymore. I've got to strengthen my feet again. And uh, yeah, it was a really, really slow, long journey. And I think that's what made it so hard. So I ended up taking 10 months off before I could actually come back and train because I just couldn't really walk. Walk. And then yeah. after those 10 months off, how long until you actually got into a ring again for your pro debut? Um, so I just was trying to get cardio back to start with. So I started in December. So between when I first started again until my actual fight, it was almost, oh, it was about 10 months again. Yeah, so at start it was just getting cardio back, man. Like, it's so hard to get it back and people don't understand that. And especially after, and I keep saying this, but so much respect to women. And you know, when I look at Olympic athletes or people that compete competitively, like after they've had kids and a year later they're back at the Olympics, like, it's magical that they can do that. That the body just goes from like, yeah, we're just taking on 20 kilos. We're opening up and giving birth to like a watermelon through a cherry hole. And then, and then they're, you know, doing the 100 meter sprint winning gold. Like it really is incredible. Um, so after that, I was just getting cardio back and it was just conditioning, like just building up muscle again. Like my stomach was, it was all over the place. Like it was really crazy, and it was hard to kind of accept because I've always been a really small build. And after I gave birth, I I had this crazy perception. I don't know why. It's really stupid. That I was just going to bounce back. I just had my six pack back, and it was like super easy. And it wasn't. It was really really hard. I think it took me like three solid months of training every single day for me to actually get my six pack back and feel like. Okay, I have balance again. Because like in boxing, your core, I mean, to be honest, all sports are like that, but your core is, is everything. It's everything. Yep. Yeah. And what I'm wondering here, when you began, the, the idea, was the idea there for pro debut before the pregnancy? And then obviously pregnancy would have... I never planned on having kids. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so that was like the surprise. Right, yeah. Like I never planned on having kids. Like I kind of just thought, I'd just box and I'd just kind of box forever. Yeah, so then once I, I fell pregnant with my son, that was a massive spanner in the woodworks, something I definitely wasn't planning for. But then, yeah, it, I think that it made me even hungrier after I gave birth, though. Like, I wanted to see how far I could push myself after I'd just done this whole, like, give birth to a human being and, like, now I'm crushing it. Yeah, so I think that really motivated me. Yeah, and yeah. what was it like, say, lead the lead up to the fight so you've organized the date you know what's coming up what's going through your mind when you think right i'm actually gonna have the fight now after all yeah this? like that's always been my thing right like physically i never doubt myself like i'm always tip-top shape i'm always like if you can if you can punch for two hours i can punch for five right like i always know that physically i'm peak but mentally i think that's the hardest thing it's the, it's the psychology of sport that makes it, and that is what differentiates champions. Because when you practice a technique enough times, you'll get there. Like, it might take you a bit longer, but you will eventually get there. But if you don't have the sports psychology, I don't feel like you can ever get over the hump. 
and I think that leading up to my, my pro debut, there was I put so much pressure on myself. I don't think anyone else was putting pressure on me. I, I think everyone kind of was like, oh, you got this, like you're going to win it. And it, I had so much self-doubt though. So it was like during that time, you know, I had a friend visiting from LA. So it was like, we did loads of yoga. We did loads of like meditation to like kind of like calm me down. And I mean, while it helped, it also sometimes stressed me out because I'm not a person that's like, oh yeah, let's just sit and meditate. Like, I mean, I do boxing for a sport, so you kind of know the, the energy level that I have. Okay. But uh, yeah, it was hard and I lost a lot of sleep. I had trouble sleeping because you go through this thing and it's funny, it's only now that I've had the fight that I speak to other boxers and they're like, yeah, happens to everyone. You go to bed and you play like every possible permutation of what could happen in the ring and it's pointless. It's pointless because all these permutations, you are not in control of what the other person does, right? You are only in control of you. So what you're doing is like, if they do this, I'll do that. If they do this, I'll do that. And I think that was the hardest part, like actually just being able to quieten my mind to say to myself, no, it's okay, mm. I can get through this. You mentioned you weren't a person or aren't a person who'd just sit and go, right, we'll meditate now. Yeah. That has, have you ever done any kind of like self-development or any of those kind of things? Have they been in your practice? Uh, no, no. I just, I think that the term meditation, right? I think it comes in so many forms. But these days, it's always like, oh, meditating is sitting there and like, um, I don't think it's that at all. Like I have so, like when I want to meditate, like when I want to clear my mind and just feel at ease, I put music on and I just run. I just keep running and running and running until I'm exhausted. And once I hit that point of exhaustion, I feel like that's when my mind is quiet. Because at that point, what can I do? All I can do is focus on my breathing. I can't focus on anything else. I can't think about anything else because I'm absolutely knackered and exhausted. So the only way I can keep running is to kind of quiet my mind and breathe. So like that's my form of meditation. And I feel like there are a lot of people who aren't at peace with that. Like I have so many people go, oh, you've got to try meditation. Like you've got to sit there. You've got to practice your mind. And I'm like, that's your way of doing it. And I feel like there's so much pressure around sitting still to, to do it. So I'm like, I respect that people feel that way. I just think that there's loads of ways to do it. I, I'm actually the same with you because I feel like this current system we have, like yeah. even in schools of just sitting there and doing something, right. it's outdated. Like, <laughs> a lot of us are quite energetic, hyperactive, and getting to that point of, let's say, quieting the mind, if it's on a treadmill or in a ring, yeah. is just as effective as, as if you're sat in your room like this. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And and I, I kind of, it kind of irritates me when people are on my case, but you're not doing it wrong. I'm like, you're not doing what right? You're not meditating right? I didn't even know there was a right way to do it. But, uh, yeah. I feel like it's individual. Like the right way is going to be different for everyone. Yeah. So if your meditation is, if you need or want meditation, if it is to go for yeah. a run, do it. I mean, there are you. people, like, I know people that sit, like, in silence and meditate for, like, two hours. Or like, I know people that go on, like, silent retreats mm. for, like, a week. And I've I'm heard like, about these, yeah. Honestly, that would just stress me out. Like, I would be so stressed out. And people are like, it's because you haven't learned how to regulate. I'm like, you're probably right. But it's just, I'm just not interested. I'm not interested in being quiet for a week. It just doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> it doesn't really. When I ask you about the visualization, like, that's another thing that a lot of people will talk about. Like, you must visualize. You must yep. visualize every step. And you know the secret and concepts? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, there's that idea that you just visualize it and you see it in and your And then mind. it brings it, yeah, like, yeah, attract, yeah. like, good energy attracts good things. Exactly, yeah. I do believe in visualization. I think that 
um, I think that is part of like training your brain, right? Um, but if I, if you were asking me, oh, do I, uh, how do I explain this? I believe in it and I do it, but I don't do it religiously. Like there are people that are like, oh, you've got to set aside like certain amounts of time in the day. You just got to keep repeating it and repeating it. And you've got to like speak about it. I'm not, I'm not that hardcore. But yeah, I definitely visualize my hand being raised at the end of the fight. Like I don't necessarily visualize how I'm going to win it because there's, like I said, there's so many permutations. There are so many things that can happen in a fight. But I definitely do visualize my hand being raised. And I think that that kind of just sets it in stone that it's like, okay, the journey will, you know, I can't control the entire journey because I can't control what the other person does. But I just know that I'm going to adapt so that my hand is raised at the end of the fight. Absolutely. Yep. And I like the fact that you're mentioning controllables, like you can't control certain things like yeah. the training that you've done or the team that you have around you yeah. or the conditioning or the, the meditation, yeah. whatever form. And you can't always control the others. So focus on what you can control yeah. and ignore everything else. Yeah, I, I think that's the best way to to look at it. Because, I mean, I mean, you can't, you can't control. I mean, on the day of our, our event, like we had a blackout. The electricity went out three times. Oh shit! Right, and like things like that can really mess you around, right? Because you're like, oh my god. But yeah, I was just like, okay, what, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Even if we fight in the dark, just as long as my hands raised at the end, it, it, it nothing else really matters. Doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. I'm interested here the concept of listening to your body and knowing when is enough. Because I've got a lot of friends who are also in the fighting space, and they've mm. spoken to me before about overtraining and being too obsessed on the fight. As in, say for example, they've trained they've done yeah. it they've won the fight then the next day is sunday and they're like right what do i do today it's fighter's guilt mm. i mean it's not just fighters guilt. i think it happens in every sport right but you're like if i'm resting and they're training they're getting ahead right so i gotta keep training and i think it happens to everyone but uh and it, like i think i'm i'm guilty of it too but that's why you need to have your team around you. Right? Like I'll have my team around me go, like rest is just as important as training. Because if you're sore, your technique's not as good. If you're tired, your endurance isn't as good. And so like your output isn't as good when you're training. You know what I mean? So yeah, you do. You need to listen to your body and, and it's experience. It does come down to experience because I think that the more experienced you are, you'll know what you need to do to be able to pull it off. Absolutely. Yeah. And when you get to that rest point, like what do you do personally just to switch off and just to get away from it? Uh, I just gotta get away from the gym. I think if I'm away from the gym, I'm all right. So, I mean, like I've got two kids, right? So they're just, there's always something kind of happening. Like I have a, a 10 year old stepson and then my, my two year old son. So like they just keep you busy all the time. Like honestly, if you're not training, there's like a million and one things you could be yeah. doing. And you also have dogs, right? Yeah. I have two dogs, dog yeah. This must take a lot of time. <laughs> it does. It takes a lot of time. I mean, to, to be fair, I do have help. Like, I have a helper that, that lives with me, and, and it's awesome. Like, that's one of the perks of being a fighter in Vietnam, I think. Like, you can have help when you need it. But, yeah, it does. It keeps you really busy. And, and like, again, like, I don't want to just say this because it sounds like it's biased, but it's, like, so much respect to, like, mum athletes because it really is hard. And, like, athletes that, like, in Western countries, like, for example, in Australia and America, where you can't just hire a nanny that lives with you or like an au pair full-time it's hard like it's really hard and then like you've got fighters guilt and then you've got mum guilt on top of that which is like the worst combo ever because i had to leave my kids for a month 
for my fight camp, like leading up to it. And it, it was really, really hard. Yeah, like I missed them, right? Um, but I just had to keep telling myself, like, it's just a month. I'm going to have the fight. I'm going to show them that I, you know, that. And I think a big part of it, what motivated me was that anything is possible. Like I wanted my kids to know that anything is possible. And I wanted women and girls to know that just because you give birth, that's not like that's not the end game, right? Like we, we bounce back. It's hard. It's really, really hard. But we definitely can bounce back. It's just about like how much do you want it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Is that the, because I always ask the guest about the motivation for the things they do. Is that your primary motivation to show people that it is possible? Or is it to show yeah. those around you? Like, what is the motivation? I think there's like, a, there's like a few things, right? I mean, it's just for me to prove to myself that it's, it's doable. But yeah, I think a lot of it is just to show like other girls. I think it's, I mean, Vietnam is, when I first came to Vietnam, I had a bit of culture shock in terms of, there's just no, like girls aren't really encouraged I mean, not just girls, but just the encouragement around sport. It's not like what it is in, in Western countries, right? And especially girls here, they're like, oh, I can't, I can't do boxing. I, you know, I'll get a black eye or I'll get a bruise and my mum will get angry with me. And it does happen, right? Like a lot of parents are just really concerned about their kids. But I just want to show people that it's like, it's not this barbaric sport where we're going in and we're, we're you know, slashing each other and we're taking crazy damage and it's so hard. Like, yeah, okay, there are injuries that happen, but that happens in any sport right they go oh, but this one you're actively getting hit i'm like yeah but you could drive a motorbike and something could happen so what do we just stop leaving because we're like oh but we could we could get hurt right and yeah i, I do i want to inspire girls in vietnam to be like yeah you can do it like don't let people tell you oh but you're a girl like, well, i don't even know what that means oh yeah but you're a girl and it has but, different definitions for everyone yeah <laughs> you know and and i feel like it's so much it's a lot of pressure for girls to be like, oh, well, you've got to be a certain way, you've got to act a certain way, you've got to look a certain way, you've got to behave a certain way. Like, my parents, they're not thrilled that I'm a boxer, but, I mean, they're proud. They're like, you know, if that's what makes you happy and, you know, you want to have a black eye every now and then, I mean... There are worse things you could be yeah. doing. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. This is what I always say. I'm like, there are far worse things I could be doing. Yeah, yeah you yeah. could be a drug dealer, but you're still yeah, not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you're not. You're a boxer, so it's perfect, yeah. yeah. Um, where do you see yourself going, let's say, in the next few years? Is, is Vietnam the base for you now, do you think? Yeah, Vietnam is the base. I mean, my husband has a gym here um, and one in Hanoi as well. Mm. And he's opening two more locations. So, like, his passion, his dream is just to make boxing the number one sport for Vietnam. He wants to make it accessible to everyone. And my husband is a really big advocate of female boxing, right? Um, so, yeah, I think we're going to be here for... A, Pretty long time. Pretty long time. Yeah, nice. pretty long time. Yeah, and you know, I even though I'm planning on like having another baby, I hope that you know I can bounce back and, and have another fight. Like I hope I don't, I'm not just one and done. I hope I can have more fights, and and I think it's possible. Like there are a lot of world title holders who are in their late thirties, hmm. right? And I'm not saying that I'm fighting for a title. Like that is not what I'm aiming for. But I, yeah, I, I do want to keep fighting. Like yeah. I, I love it. And yeah. guess good as you could possibly be keep improving yourself yeah yeah i mean like i got into the game really really late like 31 is not normally like the starting age for boxing um but i mean there's a lot of transferable skills right from all of my other sports like mm. cardio wise great body conditioning is great but in terms of like things like sharpening your technique like that just comes with it really does come with time you know and it's like what i was saying to you when it comes to technique if you put in enough time eventually you'll get there. But the sports psychology, you really need to work on that. Like, you don't just suddenly wake up and go, 
I'm cured. My brain works now. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like the fact you mentioned 31. Okay, right, it might be late for, like, let's say, the traditional route, but you still did it. Like, it's much yeah. better doing it now than never. Yeah, 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 you know yeah. I mean? of course, of course. And I think that boxing is one of those sports that, like, you can do it forever. Like, you can do it until you're really old. But, yeah, okay, you might not spar and you might not compete, but, like, there's still, there's such an art behind boxing, you know, like, throwing the, the, the perfect jab. Like, I've been boxing now for two years, and I still hate my jab. I've been doing it for two years, right? I'm like, oh, it's still not right. It's still not quite straight. I'm not putting the right turn on it or like my straight. I'm like, I wish I could strain it more. I could extend it more, get better range on it. Like, there's still a lot of things that are really hard. Yeah, I feel like we're always trying to like constantly improve ourselves though. Yeah. Like get to that level, right? even if you have done it two years and to a novice, you might look like, wow, she's doing it great. Yeah. And you personally might think, oh, shit. Yeah, I watch it and I'm <laughs> like, oh, I've got to tuck the elbows in. Oh, I've got to rotate. Like there's so many small details that you just don't realize until you start doing it, right? Like you watch it and people go, oh yeah, they're just like throwing punches or like, and, it, and it's not. It's and you know, like it's like, <laughs> One of the things that really like pisses me off is like when people comment on fighters fighting, like, oh, those two girls, their technique's so crap. They just look like they're swinging for the, you know, swinging for the fences. And I'm like, you just have no idea what's involved. Like the adrenaline dump that you get when you get in the ring, when you don't, when you lack the experience, you get an adrenaline dump and you're just, you're done for, man. You're just like, oh God, I'm done. Nothing works anymore. I'm completely, I'm, I'm depleted. Right, and then it's like, that's when the mental game needs to stick, like, kick into gear. And you're like, okay, adrenaline dump has come. It's gone. I've got to reset. I've got to breathe properly. Okay, now I can go again. Mm. Right, and for a lot of young fighters, when they're having their first fight and when they don't have this solid team behind them, it's like, oh, yeah, just go in there and bang. It's like, man, like, we're not going in and banging. That's, that's not the way it works. Right? And Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather says it's the best. It's, it's about hitting and not getting hit. Yeah, right? sounds not, simple. <laughs> yeah, it's not going in, oh yeah, let's just bang. It's, it's, not, it's not a street fight, right? Yeah, of course, yeah. there's got to be something to it. Yeah. This might be tough because this is quite broad, but are there any lessons from boxing that you've been able to apply in life? Let's say, say outside of the ring. Yeah, yeah. big time. It's really funny because my husband always says that what you do outside is what you do in here. And so like the way that you behave outside is, is the, it's the energy that you'll exhibit in the ring, right? So people that like lose their temper really easily, you'll see it in the ring. They take one hit and they're like, right, that's it, you hit me, you're dead and I'm coming for you. And once you have that set in your head, you're gonna lose the fight because you keep charging at someone and yeah, they're just gonna pick you apart from the outside, right? Mm. Or, you know, if you're too relaxed and you're too chilled, you're just taking it easy round by round by round, well, you're not going to win enough points, right, to, to win the fight. So it's like, I've learned that I just need to be calmer in my everyday life so that I can be calmer in the ring. Like the best boxers are the calmest people, right? Like they're calm because they need to analyze the situation. They need to see the punch coming, right? Because there's no point also going, I see the punch coming, I just keep slipping it. But because I'm just madly slipping it, I'm not throwing anything. Like you don't get points for slipping, right? You only get points if you hit the other person. So there's so many things that you have to take into account and that's like real life, right? Like we make the worst decisions when we're emotional. We say the worst things when we're angry and, and boxing's the same. Like if you go in and you're just angry and pissed, you're, yeah, it's not great. Mm. 
this again might be tough because I'm putting a bit more towards you. Yeah. What are you like outside of the ring and therefore inside the ring? Outside of the ring, I think when I first started boxing, I was super high strung. Like super, I've always been in a really high stress environment when it comes to work. Um, I was telling you before, like I worked in advertising, right? I ran my own agency. I started at a really young age in Hong Kong in a country where I couldn't speak the language. So like I was super high strung about everything. And I think that it caused me a lot of stress. And I think that I brought that into the gym when I first started boxing. And then over time, once I trained more, I was like, okay, I need to calm down. I need to chill out and take things a bit easier. And I think that it actually helped my personal life outside. I wouldn't let everything bother me. There are certain things my kids did that would drive me insane, and I'd say to myself, let it go. Like, pick your battles. It's not even worth it. They're not gonna die because they pick something off the ground and they, they decide they're gonna eat it, right? Just don't even look at it. But there are things that were from my, the outside that I brought into the ring. So I'm really high attention to detail. Like I'm meticulous when it comes to work. So when it comes to doing, when it comes to boxing, I'm very meticulous about my technique. And so that's why I get frustrated so easily. Like when I was telling you I was doing head movement, I'm like, I'm just not getting it right. I'm just not getting it right. I was like, oh my God, it's been eight weeks and I still suck at it, right? So I think it's made me a calmer person. I'm way more chilled out and I'm a lot more tolerant. Okay, doesn't doesn't have to bother me. Like certain things that I think I would have probably said something before, like, hey, I don't like that, or that's not cool that you did that. Oh, the phrase you mentioned, pick your battles, I think is key. Like, does it yeah. really matter? Like, if I say something here, will it change? Does it matter if it changes? Yeah. If it's a yes, do something. If it's a no, yeah, maybe let just it slide. Let it, <laughs> let it slide. And you know, I used to always have to be the, the one to have like the last say in everything. I'm like, yeah, I've learned that the hard way too. Yeah, <laughs> it is, you do, you yeah, learn yeah, it the yeah. hard way. I think also having kids, like giving birth and having my son, that's also mellowed me out mm. as well. Because it makes you realize that unless it's a matter of life and death, it's kind of not that I know what you mean, yeah, yeah, it can be bypassed. <laughs> yeah, because I remember prior to working in agency, I worked in fashion, and I swear that industry, everyone just thinks that they're like doctors and like neurosurgeons. I mean, everyone's gonna die if it doesn't get done. I'm like, dude, we're just selling clothes. It's, I mean, yes, it's important to the industry, but no one's gonna die. And I think that was one of the best pieces of advice that I got, it was like, are you a doctor? No, are you a nurse? No, is anyone gonna die? No. All right, then just calm down. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> when it gets said to you in such a form, I think, need to right, chill okay, out. Yeah. yeah, maybe I should. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Regarding your children that you've just mentioned, would you encourage them? Will you be encouraging them to take up boxing? Yeah. So our ten-year-old son boxes, um, and then my two-year-old son. He's just in the environment. Like I haven't taught him any boxing. But you know, he he comes to the gym and he's like punching bags, mm. and he goes to like those play gym centers, and he'll be punching like posts and stuff like that. He knows how to keep a high guard, so he's just literally learnt it through being in the environment. But I mean, he's he's not even two yet; he's twenty three months. I can't train him in anything. I mean, he won't even <laughs> listen to me. So yeah, I mean, I I don't I won't push them into it, but if they want to, I mean, by by all means, they, sure. they should do whatever makes them happy. And on a follow-on to that, if there's anyone listening, perhaps 
whatever age, let's say they might be 31 themselves and they're thinking yeah. of getting into boxing, but they've got the, that list of mental excuses like yeah. I'm too old or it's not for me or I'm a girl or X, Y, Z. Yeah. What would, advice would you give in telling someone to give boxing a shot? It's just never too late. It's not even boxing, it's like anything, right? It's just never too late. Okay, you might not become a world champ, right? But you can still be an incredible boxer. Like you don't have to be, a, like the belt doesn't define you as to whether you're a great boxer or not. I mean, and it's the same with, with, with a lot of things, right? Like, oh, okay, so you're, you're a videographer, right? But you don't make millions and millions of dollars. Oh, so does that make you crap? I mean, I don't think so, you know? And, and I think that's what people just need to, people need to define their version of success, right? Like I have been very realistic. I want to keep competing and I want to keep fighting and I want to put on really good fights. Am I aiming for a world title? No, I'm not aiming for a world title, right? Like I have different priorities and I've made the commitment to myself that, okay, boxing is very important to me and I'm going to give it everything I've got, but then yeah, my kids are always going to come first. Mm. And that's just, a, that's just something I've chosen to do, right? And I don't judge people that go, okay, I'm going to put my kids on hold so I can chase my my Olympic dream was I can chase my job, whatever, because they're going to be there and they're going to understand that you did it partly for them too. So I think there needs to be this thing that is removed from, oh, what, but your kids are at home with a nanny. Like, why aren't you with your kid? It's like, you know what, don't be so quick to judge. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've no idea what that person has experienced yeah. up until this point to and make yeah, like, that a I think my kids think it's pretty cool that I box. Yeah. Right? And, and you know, I hope when my next child's a, uh, a girl and I want to be able to tell it's like yeah you can you can go and do whatever you want to do and don't ever think that oh because you've had a kid it's the end of the road or you know you're too old so you can't get into it anymore you it's just there are no boundaries except for the ones you set yourself <laughs> exactly yeah. it, it really is that and I know it sounds really corny and cheesy and I'm like I hate saying it but it really it really is that yeah, I hear the phrase as well, but it's true. It's one of those, yeah. like, it's horrible to say, but well, it's, it's true. Well, it's cliche for a reason, that right? Yeah, 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 it's the reason why it goes around. Yeah. Before we get to the end, you mentioned um, defining success. Mm. It's important that you do it on your own terms. And this is where I ask you, like, to define success just for you, just for you, Michelle. Okay. What would you say it is? I think that I just have to keep doing it as long as I love it. Like, I gave up football years ago, and there was a part of me that kind of died the day that I gave it up. Because I was like, I've been with this sport for 13 years. I competed at a really competitive level, at a really high level, and I felt sad giving it up, um, but it just didn't make me happy anymore. And in terms of defining my success now, it's like, I, I want to keep boxing for as long as I can, as long as I enjoy it. And yeah, I, I want my kids to, to see that I still had an identity and a life outside of them. They are my life and they're super important, but I don't want to be mum all the time and I know it sounds bad but it's like yeah I don't want to just be mum or I don't just want to be my husband's wife right it's like I want to have my own things and and that for me is success like maintaining the things that I love and having my own identity because they're going to grow up eventually right absolutely they're yeah. going to hang out with me all the time <laughs> and then what yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm glad you mentioned this actually because I've not I've not got kids yet but I don't want to be just like a father and a husband or like a mother and a wife like yeah. you want more <laughs> exactly yeah, but yeah, like yeah. you still want to have your own thing and I think that that is what will define for me personally that's what is success excellent before we get to the final question I'll almost reverse the role a bit has there been a question I've not asked you that oh. you would have wanted me to, 
or that you expected me to, but for some reason. No, I, I had no expectations. <laughs> so just roll with whatever you want to go with. Perfect. Yep. Final question is, uh, I'll say three years because it's been three years since I lived in this area. Mm -hmm. If we had a catch up conversation in three years time, so 2026, we're sat here uh -huh. and I say, hi Michelle, welcome back. Great to see you. What have you been up to? What would you like to be telling me about what's happened in your life? Uh, that I have a daughter for starters. I'd really like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that I'm still fighting and that I'm still loving it and that there are more girls taking up the sport, you know? Like where there's been a, a huge increase of, of females taking up the sport, like just in our gym. And yeah, I hope that that spreads and people feel like it's, and it, like I said, they don't have to come here because they want to become boxers, but it should be an outlet that they can have if they want it, instead of being like, oh, well, I can't do it because it's a masculine sport. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed the Thank conversation. You. And keep up the good work. I will track your progress and see where yes. things are going. And I wish you all the very best personally, professionally, and much more. Thank Lovely. you, Michelle. Thank you so much for that. All right.